Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The sky is green. Mayorkas testified today, and it was stunning. We have David Ng giving an update on Hollywood and entertainment and all this Netflix stuff. All that and more coming up on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. It's time to talk about the border. Before we get to the border and Mayorkas' talk today, we have to rehash something I've told you several times on this show. And I understand it's a really ham-fisted analogy, but it is accurate and it helps me understand what I'm looking at. It's called the sky is green theory. Yes, I came up with that all on my own. I know I probably could have put more effort into it. But here's what it basically is. Because we have a completely nakedly corrupt system now, well, they all work with each other. Each and every one of our cultural pillars, you know, the pillars that hold up societies, they're all against you now. They all have a political ideology that is exactly opposite of yours. In fact, it's hostile to yours. 
and they all work together. They all believe the same thing. And that's a dangerous place to be because you should have, not just in the government, culturally, you should have checks and balances. That's important for a society. If uh, the government comes out and tells a blatant lie, you should have a news media that will call it out. Uh, maybe Hollywood stars who will call it out. Education system steps in and calls it out. That's a lie. That's wrong. The problem is when they're all working together and they all believe the same disgusting things, no one is left. There's no pillar left to call out the other. Therefore, they get completely comfortable, not lying. They're always comfortable lying. They get completely comfortable telling blatant lies to your face because they know they'll never be called out on it. And they know so many people will repeat these lies. Every pillar will repeat it. They will get a certain percentage of our culture to believe it. I bring it up as the sky is green theory. If they decided today they wanted everyone in this country to believe the sky is green, well, they couldn't get everyone. They wouldn't get you. They wouldn't get me. They could get half of this country to believe the sky is green. And maybe you're sitting there saying, that's crazy, Jesse. What are you talking about? I can see. I'm looking up right now. It's blue. What do you mean? It's blue. How could that? Listen, when they all work together, it's powerful. If Joe Biden got up there today and said the sky is green, there wouldn't be outrage by the other cultural pillars. You'd have virtually every single news organization running special after special after special after special bringing on these scientists. So I went to Harvard. Yeah, I can't believe the sky is green. I, I've been doing some calculations and it turns out it is green. It, it's actually your eyes that are messing it up. Hollywood would begin to make movies with green skies and sports star trying to get his new endorsement deal would put out an Instagram video. Hey guys, just playing some hoops today. Can you believe the sky is green? Woo post. College professors would insist that you acknowledge the greenness of the sky before you were able to graduate. Your child would learn about it in kindergarten. Every single cultural pillar would be telling you about the green sky. 50-50 shot, your pastor would tell you in church, hey, Jesus spoke to me, and I felt obligated to let you know the sky is green. That's how broken and nakedly corrupt our system is now, and that's how they feel totally, totally comfortable telling you lies, open lies. I mean... Half the country knows these things are lies, and yet they feel comfortable saying them because they understand each and every cultural pillar will back them up on it. And they also understand they'll get half the country to believe it. DHS Secretary Mayorkas spoke today. He had to go before Congress. He had to go before the Senate, and he was asked a bunch of things. And what he's about to say is the most blatantly false thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Honestly, if I were to tell you the sky is green, it would be more truthful than what Mayorkas says right here. We inherited a broken and dismantled system that is already under strain. It is not built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. Only Congress can fix this. Yet, we have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens seeking to enter the United States? We've managed it? We've effectively managed it? We have never seen illegal immigration numbers like this before in the history of the country. We've effectively managed it? That's insane. There's not a single person 
who's been down on the border, border patrol or otherwise, who would look at that and say it is effectively managed at all. We are officially overrun. We don't have the personnel. We don't have the backing of the government at all. This country is being invaded, invaded by people who have no loyalty to this nation, oftentimes invaded by murderers, rapists, drug dealers. We are being overrun by the worst people on the planet, and we've effectively managed it. And let's just be honest about something. Donald Trump was outstanding on illegal immigration. Donald Trump and the border, Donald Trump's four years as president, that was the only four years in my lifetime where the border actually was secure. That's a fact. The Biden administration came in and promptly blew all of that up immediately. And of course, while they're looking to scapegoat things, of course they would blame Donald Trump. They also managed to blame Russia? It is very important, I think, that everyone understands that an increase in migratory flows is not something unique to the United States. This is something that countries throughout the region, throughout the Western Hemisphere, and as we have seen so powerfully and regrettably throughout the world. We have seen more than five million uh, Ukrainians flee their country that has been so brutally attacked uh, by Russia. What? We know what's going on here. He's lying. I mean, that's, we, don't have to, we don't have to mince words. Mayorkas is lying. They know the border is open because they opened the border on purpose. Democrats want the border open because they believe if they're able to flood this country with illegal immigrants, they will one day find a way, if they aren't already, to move those illegal immigrants into voting people who will elect Democrats and keep them in power forever. Democrats are lying. They have opened the border on purpose. They're not mad about it. They're not trying to fix the problem because they caused the problem on purpose. He knows the border is unmanaged and overrun because he's been caught saying so. Listen, unsustainable. Uh, these numbers cannot continue. We cannot um, get to a point where we were a couple weeks ago, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. We're looking at the policy options. Of course, we have to catch him on hidden audio to get that out of him. And remember, the Biden administration just got done trying, trying, this was a choice, trying to lift Title 42, a Trump-era policy that allowed us to keep more control of the border. As bad as it is now, if we lifted Title 42, it would even be worse. Here's Mayorkas. With the Title 42 public health order set to be lifted, we expect migration levels to increase. After Title 42 is lifted, non-citizens will be processed pursuant to Title 8, which provides that individuals who cross the border without legal authorization are processed for removal and, if unable, to establish a legal basis to remain in the United States, promptly removed from the country. Of course, that's a lie. We have already imported one million that we know of during Joe Biden's presidency. It's uh, been a little over a year and we've imported over one million illegal immigrants. That's remaking a nation. That's treasonous.
And remember, it's not just that this is being done. It's that this is being done on purpose. He brought up Russia, Ukraine. Obviously, everyone knows why Ukrainians might be finding a new place to stay for a while. Ours is being done specifically because the American Democratic Party wants to flood the United States of America with illegal immigrants so they can remain in power forever. What other possible reason would they have to stop the construction of the very effective border wall? It's more than just a campaign talking point. Walls work. We know this because, well, mankind has been using walls since the beginning of mankind people out. Yet the Biden administration is spending millions a day to keep the border wall from being built. There's no other explanation as, as hard as they try. The wall projects, um, the majority of them, rest in the jurisdiction of the Army Corps of Engineer. Uh, those that we ourselves uh, uh, control, uh, I believe that the cost of Discontinuing them is approximately $72 million, and I will follow up with you to ensure the accuracy of my statement uh, this morning. We are spending $72 million to keep the border open. That's not the cost to build the wall. That's the cost to keep the wall from being built. $72 million of your tax dollars are going to make sure your country is overrun by illegal immigrants. That's how truly evil these people are. And of course, as I just mentioned, they always mention that line that walls don't work. If we just dial it back a few years to kind of what we inherited here, uh, the former president invested billions of dollars in a border wall that was never going to work or be effective instead of working towards comprehensive immigration reform. As part of the president's proposal, he put forward on his first day in office, he proposed investing in smarter security at the border, something he'd be happy to work uh, with governors on, and, and certainly we're, we're open to having that conversation whenever they're ready to do that. Go smarter security. What that means is less security. It's not complicated. That's what that means. Why did we just lose a National Guard guy at the border? Bishop Evans, God rest his soul. We lost him at the border because the Border Patrol agents are overrun and the Texas National Guard had to be called up to try to supplement those numbers at the border. And that brave soul jumped into the Rio Grande to try to save a couple guys who were drowning. And now his family will never get to sit and talk with him ever again. And when asked about this horrible tragedy of a warrior dying to defend his nation. This was the White House response. Of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government. How sick are these people? You're asked about the death of a man who was defending his nation, and your first inclination is to make sure you're not being blamed for it? We truly are led by evil, evil people. Evil people who are overrunning your country and my country on purpose. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. We have an amazing This Week in Wokeism for you coming up next. But before we do that, let me ask you something. When you've been buying meat lately, chicken, 
beef, seafood. Are you a little sticker shocked by the price? I know you are. I have been too. I'll never forget, it was a few weeks ago. I went to go get just some little steaks, nothing fancy, just little thin loins to just grill up a little meat. And I, I was taken aback. I called my wife from the meat section. I thought, do you see these prices? I, I know what you're going through. I am too. You understand that right now, as inflation is going up and as we know these prices are going to continue going up, you understand that you can lock in your meat prices right now and never have them rise on you? You can. And when you do so, you can get the best quality meat there is and support an American company that sells you American beef, American chicken, American seafood. Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Jesse. That not only gets you $30 off, that lets you lock in meat prices. There's no price increase coming for you. GoodRanchers.com slash Jesse. We'll be back. Entertainment. Have you ever sat back and said something like this? Oh, no one cares what the, that actor thinks. No one cares what LeBron James says. You ever say anything like that? I'm not pointing fingers. I've said things like that before, too. And I was dead wrong. And so were you. The truth is, I know you're probably into history because I'm into history. But you're at least aware of it, even if you're not into it. In the history of the world, when you look at any culture, pick it, whatever the culture is, the Mongols, the Romans, the small Indian tribe somewhere, whatever the culture is, entertainment was always an important part of the culture, whether it's movies or plays or whatever the case may be. Entertainment is a part of society. And it's an important part of society. People learn values from the entertainment they consume. Now, you can be mad about that or say it shouldn't be that way, and maybe, look, maybe it shouldn't be that way, but that is human nature. I mean, look, me, I was shaped by the things I watched as a kid. My old man wasn't exactly into movies, but whenever we sat down and watched movies, we watched John Wayne movies. And I think about it now and who I am, and I can see how that helps shape me. What, what are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be the guy who fights for what, what's right. Maybe a little rough around the edges, but there's good and there's evil, and you speak plainly, and you fight the bad guy. And look, it sounds hokey, but I was sitting there not just watching movies with my old man. I was learning values. What values is your child learning today when they go to that new Hollywood film? When they turn on Nick Jr. and see the newest drag queen parade? What, what values are you learning as you consume these things? Remember, it's not just kids. Entertainment is critically important. And it's not a small deal. It's a big deal that we have the most disgusting, despicable people right now who are the leaders in Hollywood. Undoubtedly, you are either hurting yourself right now because of gas prices or you know someone who is. The truth is the middle class and especially poor people are getting crushed by these prices. Just, we are. People are getting crushed. You're, having to, you're seeing people already make gigantic lifestyle adjustments, not just on travel. Remember, the cost of fuel affects the cost of food. It affects the cost of everything. People are being broken right now by it. And these are the people who lead our entertainment industry. This is Mark Ruffalo. He's all kinds of excited about these prices. 
And this is a moment for President Biden to take this, um, our, our momentum, people's fear, um, they're disgusted with the war, they're disgusted with energy prices, and, and, and use that to solidify a message to the American people that now is the time to transition. This is where the jobs are. This is where national security is. And we are going to keep pushing him to do it. And this is a, this is a gift to the president as we see it. And we see him uh, accepting it in such terms. Do you understand how truly evil that is? Do you see the glee on his face? This is, this is a gift to the president. He get the, look at him. He's thrilled. You, when you think about gas prices, maybe you're even one of these climate change believers. It's fine, whatever. But you still think about the prices out there right now, and it does something inside of you, right? Even if you're personally doing fine, you do think about the people who are being crushed by this. That doesn't enter his head. That way of thinking would never even occur to him. You see, he believes, because it's his religion, have I told you that before? Because it's religion, he believes beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is right, that he is the good guy. And keep in mind, keep in mind, there is no bigger death cult on the planet right now than climate change people. I'm not trying to be over the top when I say that. If you look at the climate change agenda, the stop CO2 agenda, and if you were to tonight snap your fingers and just give them everything they want, the death toll from that worldwide would far exceed Hitler, Mao, Stalin, Genghis Khan, whoever combined, far exceed. The number might reach the billion. Why? How's that possible? Well, that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to kill. It's designed to reduce the human population. Because when you buy into the lie that CO2 is killing the planet, well, what do you think you're breathing out right now? Everything you do produces CO2. They think you're the plague. They believe you're a virus on the planet, and they believe to save Mother Earth or whatever these atheist freaks believe, you have to die. And they believe it all the way. And in the process of killing those billion people or so, they would believe they're the good guy. Again, it just comes back to standard communist thinking. How could someone like Pol Pot kill 25% of his country and then when asked about it later on in his life say, hey, I'm not a violent dude. I'm fine. What's your problem? Because they do believe they're on a mission for good because it is their religion. Mark Ruffalo is worth tens of millions of dollars. He'll never see the effect of any of this. He doesn't worry about gas prices. Gas could go to $50 a gallon. It wouldn't, afford Mar it wouldn't affect Mark Ruffalo at all. And he would look down on all the people suffering, starving to death, having their way of life wiped out. And it wouldn't move him inside in the slightest because he believes he's on a mission from God. And if some people have to die for him to do what God wants, well, then so be it. I mean, we talk, we talk about the commitment of these sick freaks when it comes to kids to switch gears here, when it comes to things like Disney. Do you remember, do you remember this video we've played for you before of this Disney executive? I want you, I want you to take this in. I'm, I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Um, uh, one transgender child. Um, 
um, and one pansexual child. Um, we have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and 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 yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just just get to be characters. Shoot. Um, the 50% of the tears, <laughs> sorry, are coming. Um, uh, we don't, we just don't allow each other to go backwards. She got misty thinking about her little pansexual son, Pat, or whatever his name is. That's what we're up against here. And it should be noted, just to point something out, there's a reason Disney is currently pursuing business in Egypt, Libya, Palestine, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen places where they'll murder you for being gay. Why? Is it because they're hypocrites? No. It's because in those countries, they would never consider allowing a corporation to rot out their culture. Only in America do we do that and call it freedom as we allow these monsters to destroy our children in front of us. Let's make sure we're a lot more aggressive in the culture war. No backing off. Aggressive. Protect your children as a nation. All right. We have a lot more coming up. David Ng is going to join us next. We'll talk a little Disney. We're going to talk about Netflix and other things. Now, speaking of corporations, let's talk about you, where you spend your money. Have you heard of Public SQ? It's right there in the App Store waiting for you. Apple, Google Play, whatever you've got, Public SQ. Go download it. You want to know where to, where to shop for things? Where should you go to buy that cup of coffee? Public SQ will tell you who believes what you believe. Put your money where your morals are. Public SQ. We'll be back. Last summer, we, we removed all of the um, gendered greetings and relationship to our life skills. So we no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Okay, well, that's creepy. Apparently, we should never go to Disney anymore, but is this actually going to hurt them? Is it already hurting them? Joining me now, my friend David Ng, Breitbart News reporter and technology reporter. David, obviously, I understand this is something that's not going to be popular with you. It's not going to be popular with me or parents across the country, but Disney's still doing it, and they're not slowing down. They're not taking their foot off the gas, so does this not hurt business? I think it already is hurting business. I mean, we know that uh, Governor DeSantis has, in fact, revoked uh, their special tax uh, status, their special district status in, uh, in Central Florida, in Orlando. That's really going to hurt them in the pocketbook, but it's also going to hurt them in ways that we can't quite know quite yet. It governs itself in Florida. It's had this privilege uh, since 1967. And with the revocation that uh, that Governor DeSantis put into effect recently and that the state legislature passed, uh, Disney basically has lost a lot of its legal privileges in Florida. So I think it's going to hurt them legally. It's going to hurt them financially. Uh, the fallout of that remains to be seen. But I think um, Disney is right now uh, being very, very quiet about uh, a lot of their woke agenda because I think they fear further retaliation from Governor DeSantis and from the Florida State Legislature. So I think they, they kind of poked the bear and now they've seen the response. And uh, I think the fallout is going to be seen. It's, I think it's going to play out potentially in court. So I think this is far from over. Um, but I think this is a war that will continue and that we need, uh, we, we're, we're, and that, that you know, it's going to get potentially even more bitter uh, as the months go on. 
Okay, David, why do it then? You're Disney. Okay, I understand it's a new day and age, and, and I get all that. I, the, the, the times have changed, but you are the largest, unless I'm mistaken, the largest corporation on the planet aimed at children. I mean, that it's really aimed at, it's a family company. Family, kids, kids' movies, kids' parks. It's, it's all family. How in the world did they ever think they were going to wade into insanity like this and not get pushback? Why do it? Well, I think this is what happens when uh, progressives achieve, you know, what we what we know as um, institutional capture. Um, and it doesn't take that many uh, employees in a company to achieve that. It just takes maybe one or two really loudmouth uh, progressive activists to kind of toxify a work environment. And I think that's what happened here. You have to realize that it wasn't Disney's uh, primary uh, gay employee association that pushed for these uh, measures. It was. A few, uh, and I'm told by sources off the record that it was it was pushed by just a few really adamant, really left-wing uh, employees who kind of toxified the entire workplace, and that went up all the way the chain of the command to Bob Chapek, who is the CEO, and he's embraced this this kind of woke uh, progressive culture. Um, I think he's basically become a hostage in his own company, and I think that's the reason you're seeing all this. It's because of just a few really adamant uh, employee activists who have kind of poisoned the well for everyone. Okay, David, you're the expert on this. I'm not. I, I don't understand this culture or this world. When I think about the CEO of any huge corporation, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Disney, whatever, I think about the dude who's in charge. It is CEO. How is he held hostage by his own employees? How is it not, oh, okay, you want more of this? You're mad? Fine, you're fired. It seems so simple. Is it not that simple? Well, you, we would hope it would be that simple. We would hope that corporations operate this way. Um, it works that way in the military. It works that way in, you know, not so long ago, that's the way corporations work. But unfortunately, uh, I think uh, corporations operate in a constant state of fear and paranoia right now. Fear out of uh, the fact that a lot of employees, if they don't get their way, will go to social media and create a ruckus. They'll run to the media who they know will be sympathetic to their cause. And so I think Disney is basically fearful of the negative uh, publicity that it will get if it doesn't uh, cave to their commands. I also think they're also cynically taking advantage of this whole controversy. They think, and I think wrongly, that um, they think that by embracing woke culture and by embracing radical LGBTQ activism, that they're going to convince Generation Woke, you know, Generation Z to become future Disney customers. I think in some way that's kind of like their cynical ploy in all this, that, um, you know, we're going to say these things in public and hopefully we'll convert all these, you know, young radical, you know, 20-somethings into future Disney, into future Disney customers. Um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a terrible strategy. I think it's going to backfire. I think it's already backfiring for them. Um, but I think that was kind of their reasoning, was that they would uh, take this position, reap the beneficial, you know, positive publicity, and, you know, also have this in mind that, you know, we're going to create new customers, a new customer base uh, in, in the years to come. But I think that's, that's already backfiring. They're, they're seeing it right now in Florida that it's not working for them. But I think they're retrenching and trying to figure out what to do next. David, Netflix. Obviously, Netflix has been making the news as having been hemorrhaging supplier subscribers now, and the stock price doesn't look good. You have an excellent piece up about this. One, where can people get the piece? What's going on there? Uh, they, yeah, so this is fascinating. Netflix uh, shares have dropped, um, you know, over um, 40 percent 
uh, since they reported first quarter earnings uh, last week. And it was, it, was a, it was a real, real stunner for Hollywood because Netflix reported that it lost 200,000 customers in the, in the first quarter and perhaps even more distressingly that they're going to lose 2 million more in the months to come. That's unheard of for a streamer. You know, streamers are supposed to gain customers. They're not supposed to lose customers. Um, so this is really bad news for Netflix. It's bad news for its investors. Uh, we had, uh, you know, billionaire um, Bob Ackman, um, I'm sorry, Bill Ackman, um, dump over 3 million shares of Netflix at a loss that's estimated to be $400 million. So if he's willing to take a loss of $400 Oof. million on Netflix, um, it shows that, you know, um, the writing's on the wall, that uh, its outlook is poor, and that um, you know, you know, the people are fleeing the ship. So obviously, employee morale is low. Um, Netflix is cutting back on its on its kind of spendthrift uh, culture, where it would just throw money at anything. It would just spend like crazy. Uh, it would borrow billions and billions of dollars and spend money on on shows that very few people saw. Um, so it's a real, real reckoning for Netflix. Um, obviously, you know, as we've been reporting for for, for years and years. Um, you know, Netflix's world programming is a real turnoff for most Americans. You know, most Americans don't want to see the kind of, you know, really, you know, far left, progressive, radical programming that they put out. You know, they obviously still have their production deal with uh, Barack and Michelle Obama. Um, the CEO of the CEOs of Netflix are huge Democratic donors, so this is no surprise. But um, I think now they're kind of, um, you know, reaping what they sowed, and they're seeing customers flee in droves. David, you and I had a conversation a long time ago about the various subscription services. And the conversation was basically me saying, I don't understand how they have this much money. Every time you turn on Netflix or Disney Plus or Amazon or something, they're putting out either a new blockbuster-style feature-length film with, you know, A, Hollywood actors, or a series, which is nine ten, basically nine ten films with major actors and major directors. And that's so much money. And what you told me back then was there's a bubble and it's going to burst. Is that part of what we're seeing? I think it's part of it. I think Netflix, as you know, as we mentioned, has borrowed tens of billions of dollars over the years to build its empire. It obviously has to pay that back. Wall Street has been very forgiving of Netflix because they assumed that a subscriber base would keep growing. And if the subscriber base kept growing, they would be able to pay back the debt plus the interest. Now we're seeing that's not happening. Now we're seeing that subscribers are actually fleeing and that Netflix is hemorrhaging customers. It's the opposite of what was supposed to happen. So, you know, the game isn't over for Netflix. It's still the big, you know, the big dog in, in, in the game. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, pessimism in Wall Street about its prospects, about its ability to pay back its debt. It still owes, I, I, I saw one figure saying it still owes around $20 billion. Um, that's a lot of money for, for any company. Um, so I think Netflix is, 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 is in a really, really precarious position right now. And I think uh, executive leaders are trying to figure out how to rein in spending in, in, in the months to come, how to rein in spending yet still remain competitive uh, with uh, the Amazons, with the Apples, which are really sensing the blood in the water right now. And I think those two, uh, the Apples and the Amazons, are going to be its, you know, its main competitors. Disney we can talk about in, in, a, in a separate conversation, but I think Apple and Amazon, seeing that there's blood in the water, will up their spending because those two companies basically have unlimited resources. They don't need to borrow billions and billions of dollars. They have billions and billions of dollars at their disposal. So they can outbid Netflix and all the choice projects. They can lure you know, A-list Hollywood talent. They can outspend Netflix into the ground. And I think that's what we're going to see. 
I think we're going to see these two rivals really amp it up and try to drive Netflix out of the market. David Ng, always deliver, man. Go read his stuff at Breitbart. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. That stuff matters a lot. Remember, entertainment in your culture matters. For too long, we have done that. Ah, oh, it's just a movie. No, 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 no. What you consume as a, as a culture, entertainment-wise, affects your culture. It always has. It always will. All right. Alec, Alex Expe, Epstein. Yeah, Alex Epstein joins us next. And we have all this climate insanity going on. He has a lot of very interesting things to say. Buckle up for that. Speaking of climate insanity, why does your home still stink? Stop, stop. I know you keep a clean home. Why don't you have an Eden Pure thunderstorm or three in it, though? Look, on top of, I, I, I talked to you about the allergy relief it's provided for me. I talk about that all the time, but just for your family health, you realize this thing, it does more than just make your home smell good and does more than give you allergy relief. It's cleaning viruses and mold out of your air all the time. My family has never had such a long streak of healthy. Go and do likewise. I bought one originally. I loved it so much. I went out and bought two more. They have a three-pack for sale for my viewers for under $200. That's $200 in savings. The thing is like a miracle. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE, and that gets you a three-pack for under $200. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back. In the United States military, every vehicle is going to be climate friendly. Every vehicle. We're going to vote. No, I, I mean it. We're spending billions of dollars to do it. And, uh, and that doesn't sound like a good idea at all. Joining me now, Alex Epstein, philosopher and energy expert, also author of the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels and Fossil Future. Alex, do you hate the planet or something? Those evil fossil fuels? Well, I actually love living on the planet, but only if there's a lot of low-cost, reliable energy. Because without low-cost, reliable energy, the planet really sucks to live on, which is why most of us used to live to 30 uh, before we had energy to use machines and live good lives. Alex, I try to explain this to people all the time, and they don't... It's hard to understand it because the green movement looks like just a bunch of hippies who want clean air. And I tell people... This is the most murderous death cult on the planet, that if these people were allowed to have their way, they would kill more people than every dictator combined in the history of the world. Will you please explain what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I've noticed that about you, and I'm really grateful that you see this because most people don't. So I think the, the key thing to ask is what is your goal? What is the goal, what is the environmental goal of the green movement? And if you listen to them, green means minimize or eliminate human impact. So their real goal is to eliminate human impact on earth. But human beings survive by impacting the earth intelligently to meet our needs. We have to transform nature a lot. So the actual environmental goal should be advance human flourishing on earth through a lot of impact. And because their goal is eliminating impact, they are anti-human, and that's why you're exactly right. Alex, 
Can you explain the mentality of these people? And I ask it because of this. Just recently, I'm sure you saw steps of the Supreme Court. Dude turns himself into the human torch over climate <laughs> change. All right, now, it's one thing to go campaign on Twitter about uh, green energy or something. <laughs> it's quite another to burn yourself alive. What in the world could possibly twist someone's mind around to get there? Well, in a sense, it's pretty logical, right? Because if the goal is to eliminate human impact on Earth, the most obvious thing is to eliminate human beings. And what you saw in the 70s with the modern anti-human environmental movement is they were very explicitly anti-human in the sense of population control, anti-technology. But they've tried to gloss over that by pretending to be about clean air and clean water and green energy. Uh, but for various reasons, green energy is totally impractical compared to fossil fuels and nuclear. So what this person is seeing is really, hey, I'm bad. Human beings are bad. I should eliminate myself, which that's sort of more logical than flying private jets around the world, which other people do in the name of being green. Yeah, sure do. All right, speaking of green, is green energy more gentle on the planet? Well, the main thing is how good is it for, for human life? So you could, you know, using no energy in a sense is gentle on the planet. It's just terrible for human beings. So the main problem with green energy, namely solar and wind, is it's fundamentally unreliable, which makes it expensive because you always need the reliable energy in addition to the unreliable energy. And it causes reliability problems because when you try to cut costs by cutting back on reliable energy, like we've done here where I live in California, or I think where you are in Texas, you get blackouts and shortages. So it's mainly bad for human life but it's also true that it takes up a massive amount of space and it involves a massive amount of mining and transmission lines because green energy deals with dilute solar and wind. So because the energy is very dilute, it takes a lot more resources to harness. Alex, fossil fuels. Everybody and their brother has some crazy aunt on Facebook who's one of these green nutters and they mm -hmm. would like some tools in the tool belt to combat that kind of insanity. Give them some. Well, the easiest tool is just go to the website energytalkingpoints.com and you can search uh, any issue. So if you want long-term resource, just go there. That's all free, energytalkingpoints.com. Uh, but concretely, I think the key facts to understand are that energy is crucial to human life. Low-cost, reliable energy is crucial to human life. Billions of people lack it. We have 3 billion people still using less electricity than a typical American refrigerator. And fossil fuels provide 80% of the world's energy and are growing because they are a uniquely scalable form of low-cost, reliable energy. So the key thing for people to get is fossil fuels have huge benefits. And the people who don't acknowledge those benefits are fossil fuel benefit deniers, and they cannot be trusted about the negative side effects. If they're so biased, they can't see the amazing benefits of fossil fuels, you can be sure they're wildly exaggerating the negative side effects. Alex, that brings me to Elon Musk. Of course, he's the bell of the ball on the right right now, and I mm -hmm. get that, and I'm glad he bought Twitter. It sounds good. But he's also a big green energy guy, is he not? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's gotten a little better in terms of not saying there's climate catastrophe. He now says that as if that's been his position, but he's definitely traded on climate catastrophe. So my big issue with Elon is he's trying to force these inferior forms of energy on us, and he's been demonizing fossil fuels and nuclear for years. For example, he recently said, hey, you know, it's great. We actually need, or people say it's great. He said we need more oil and gas in the short term. But part of the reason we need that is because in the long term, he's been opposing domestic oil 
oil and gas, which makes energy more expensive around the world and makes us and our allies more dependent on hostile foreign actors. So his his whole energy discussion is always slanted by his particular business interests and his just overall hostility toward fossil fuels and nuclear, which he barely supports nuclear. Whereas if you care about CO2 emissions, you should avidly support nuclear. Should we care about CO2 emissions? Because I don't. <laughs> Why don't you care? I don't care because plants eat the on CO2 emissions. It's just human nature. There's no way that's harmful to the planet. That's why I don't care. Well, I, I appreciate that perspective. I mean, I think I would expect overall, you know, that the impact of CO2 is going to be neutral or even positive because there's a lot of plant growth and warmth is generally good. Um, it should not, it should be nowhere near our primary consideration. The primary consideration should be freedom, liberating people, and then in particular, giving them a lot of low cost, reliable energy which depends on freedom. It's legitimate to say, hey, I'm concerned about CO2 getting to here or there. We could talk about the details, but you can only do that if you A, value energy, and B, you value the most promising alternatives, namely nuclear and hydro. The green movement, because it's all about eliminating human impact and ultimately human life, is the most hostile movement to nuclear and hydro. So for them, CO2, it, you know, caring about CO2 is not caring about humans. They just think it's evil because we did it. Alex Epstein, the book is The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. It's time to lighten the mood next. We have a vice president with COVID. Let's pay tribute. Hang on. All right. It's time to lighten the mood. And we have something a little bit more serious today. As you probably have already heard, Dome has COVID, all right? And we don't want to sit here and make jokes about the diversity head getting COVID. So we thought, the radio team thought it would be nice to put together a little mini tribute video to Dome. Watch this. (laughs) Watch this. I'll see you tomorrow. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.